0: The reality of coaching. Coaching only works if the coachee, I know that word doesn't exist, if the coachee actually implements what you teach them.
1: Welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Dr. Jen Barna, and today I'm talking with Dr. Yabo Webzel, a board certified pediatrician, public speaker, author, entrepreneur and coach. Her book is titled Permanent Happiness, The Only Way to Find Peace, Joy, and Your Life-Given Purpose. And a new cohort for her intensive group coaching program, Invincible Entrepreneur, starts on August 2nd. Welcome to Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast, Dr. Iyabo as you're known on social media. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) thanks so much for having me. Thank you, thank you. I'm so honored to be here with you.
1: (laughs) It's a privilege to be talking with you. I'm so excited to hear about your story and your journey to where you are now. You've not always been a well-known figure in the world of coaching and public speaking and an established pediatrician. I'm curious really to go all the way back to your journey where you grew up and how you decided to become a physician, and then how you became an entrepreneur. If we could step back and just hear your story, that would be fabulous.
0: Yes, yes, my story. It's a long story, but I'll try to abbreviate it, of course. So I was born in Lagos, Nigeria, which is in West Africa. I was the last born of six children. And I was really good with the science subjects. I think really that's how my journey with medicine started. I really was very good with biology and chemistry, physics, not so much. Physics was a little challenging. And my parents saw that I was a good science student. They were like, you know what, why don't you become a doctor? And then my dad said, I have a relative, an uncle of yours, who is a pediatric neurosurgeon and he's well-known in Nigeria, I'd like you to meet him. So they got us to meet each other. And that's how my interest in medicine started. And I applied into medical school. Well, I got in at the age of 16. I graduated at the age of 22, because that's how medical school is set up in Nigeria. It's just a six-year program. And then I was done. And I really had an interest in OBGYN to start with, But then as you know, I went through the rotations and all of that, I'm like, you know what, I'd rather deal with the kids and not the mothers. So that's where my interest in pediatrics started. And then my rotation in the pediatric ER was just so enriching. Enriching in a very spiritual and very enlightening way, because I just saw that so many kids were dying from preventable diseases because they were poor, they didn't have access to healthcare. So that's how my journey in medicine started. Now, my entrepreneurial journey started because both my parents were entrepreneurs and I loved the kind of lives they lived. Their schedule was their own. They were making money. They were home with us a lot. And that's how my interest in entrepreneurship started. You know, there's more to the story, but that's my like past, past background of medicine and business. Mm-hmm. Actually, you bring
1: up a really interesting point, which I think a lot of us can relate to. What happens to so many of us is we start medical school thinking that we're going to do one particular specialty. And then through the course of our medical training, we find a specialty that really speaks to us. And it's not at all what we thought it was going to be.
0: True. Very true. I started off loving OBGYN, but then I transitioned into pediatrics. I'm like, I don't want to be in the labor and delivery all the time watching these moms give birth, so yeah
1: so now you are a practicing physician in Atlanta, right? Yes, how did you choose Atlanta?
0: Yes, so after medical school, I wanted to leave Nigeria, and unfortunately, there was, and there still is a lot of brain drain from Nigeria for many reasons, political reasons, you know, fulfillment reasons, poverty, all of that so I wanted to leave. And of course, my first part of call, I say, of course, because most doctors in Nigeria end up in England first. So I moved to England with my then husband, my ex-husband now, and I started my career in England and I finished my residency in pediatrics in England. I was there for five years, but I wasn't really fulfilled there. I just was senior house officer forever. I wasn't rising up in the ranks because I'm a very ambitious person, as you can tell. And I wasn't rising up as I planned to. So we decided to move to the States. And my best friend lived in Atlanta. Now she lives in LaGrange, but I moved to Atlanta oh, sure. because of her. <laughs> yeah. So we visited her in Atlanta and we fell in love with Atlanta. The weather was nice, it just was a place that we really loved. And we said, okay, you know what? We'll settle down in Atlanta after residency. But we did a residency in New York and then we moved to Atlanta.
1: Oh, okay. So you started yes. out in New York. I yes, New York
0: for three years. Yes.
1: And so once you started working in Atlanta, yes. when did you begin developing your public speaking skills and what was the order of how you became an entrepreneur and coach?
0: Yes. So when I first started in Atlanta, I knew all along I wanted to be in the business world. So even when I was in London, in England, that was my main hope and dream. And it couldn't come to fruition there. So even moving to Atlanta, I knew sooner or later I wanted to start my own business. So my plan was to get a job, work with a practice for two years and then embark on opening my own I did get a job, but I only lasted there for nine months because I was way too impatient. I'm like, I cannot keep doing this for somebody. I'm working so hard. I'm seeing all these patients. I want to do this for myself. So I resigned after nine months. I didn't have a job to go to. The practice wasn't open yet. I just resigned with faith, but then I was married to a doctor at the time. So, you know, bills were still being paid and all of that. And that's how my journey into entrepreneurship started. It took me 15 months after resigning to actually open the doors of my own practice. And that practice was opened in 2004 and it's still open today and it's still thriving and growing. And I started it from zero and it's been scaling and scaling up to seven figures and all that. So that was my journey into entrepreneurship. Now, my speaking journey didn't start until 2015 when my dad passed. Somehow there was some kind of spiritual download or spiritual revelation into my brain. And I started writing after my dad passed. It started off with journaling, but journaling led to me writing two and a half books in less than three months.
1: That's incredible.
0: (laughs) I know. So my writing led to publishing a book. I started first with speaking at the United Nations three times, and that just opened up my public speaking journey.
1: You mentioned that you have more than one book. So first of all, I do want to hear the titles of your books. And also, I want to know how you happen to be speaking at the United Nations. How did that come about?
0: Oh my goodness. So I do have one book that is published, Permanent Happiness. The second book, my hope and dream is to get it traditionally published. So actually, as I'm doing this, I'm speaking to publishers. There's a lady I'm waiting on. I've been praying that she comes back and she gives me good news. So that other book I wrote in 2015, I still haven't published it because I want to get a traditional publisher. So hopefully that will be coming soon. Now, my speaking at the United Nations, when I did my book launch for Permanent Happiness, of course, I had many guests. My friends invited their friends. And while I was talking during the event, I noticed there was a guy and his friend like standing in the corner. I thought they were checking me out or something. I'm like, (laughs) well, you know, I'm divorced. You know what? I don't know what they're looking at. But when we were done, they walked up to me and one of the guys said, oh, you know, you spoke so well. I love your story. It's so inspiring. I love that it's about permanent happiness and peace. We would love to have you come to the Global Goals Initiative at the United Nations to speak. So I said yes. And that was my first event. And then The year after, they invited me to another one. And then at the end of that year, I got another speaking engagement. So I had like three back-to-back events at the UN. So it just happened by chance that I met this man at my book launch.
1: That happens that way. It's interesting how many business connections happen simply by being present. And and doing
0: stepping out and doing what you love doing. Yeah. Absolutely. And you coach people
1: on public speaking as well. I do. So when you're coaching someone, for example, with public speaking, how do you help someone who is having difficulty standing in front of a group? How do you help someone to overcome that?
0: The first thing I ask them is what they're passionate about. And I know that word is thrown around a lot, but if you speak on something that you really love that comes naturally to you, it's easier. That's why people talk about storytelling all the time. If you're telling a story of something that has happened to you in the past and then from there you derive some teaching points, that's the easiest way to speak. But people always want to speak about something that is foreign to them. So the best thing is look for an event in your past that has been a life-changing event and then build up on that, start to speak on that, start with the storytelling, then ease into the teaching points. So that's the fundamental thing. I tell people, I'm like, you have to be a good storyteller first because people want to learn about you authentically. They want to learn what your past has been and how you've overcome, you know, obstacles and all that good stuff.
1: Stay tuned for more from today's guest after this important message from our sponsor, Board Vitals. Preparing for your board exam or looking for a quick and convenient way to earn CME Study for your board exam and fulfill your CME requirements with Board Vitals. Board Vitals is the leading online board review platform with question banks and CME activities available in more than 50 medical and healthcare specialties. Board Vitals questions are loaded with detailed explanations, reference materials, and evidence-based rationales. And now you can take your studying on the go with Board Vitals mobile app. People who use Board Vitals question banks have a higher pass rate by 9% from the national average and an 18% reduction in study time. Board Vitals has helped more than 400,000 practitioners pass their board exams. They offer a free trial for all their question banks and they offer a 100% pass guarantee when you sign up for a subscription of three months or more. Sign up today and get a special discount for being part of the doc working community by using the code DOCWORKING10. That's D-O-C-W-O-R-K-I-N-G and the number 10. That's a 10% discount code just for being part of our community with the discount code DOCWORKING10 for BoardVitals.com. That's B-O-A-R-D-V-I-T-A-L-S.com. What would you say the obstacles are that you've overcome?
0: Oh, a lot. Well, my divorce for one. Yeah. So I met my ex-husband in medical school. I was 17. He was 21. So we were together for 23 years of my life and it still ended up in divorce. It was painful. It was brutal, but I overcame it. And I believe I'm a much better person today because of my divorce and because I overcame it as well. And then I lost a sister to cancer, unfortunately, must be 13 or 14 years ago now. It was 2007 and she was only 42 years old. And that was even more painful than my divorce because being a doctor, I was in the middle of everything. She stayed with us in Atlanta for a long time. She was getting her care at Emory. So yeah, that was tough. But Again, I'm still here 14 years after. So, and then I lost so both my parents. Yeah, I lost both my parents back to back a few years ago, but that wasn't that painful because they were old. They were both 86 when they passed. But yeah, so those are the four major things. Of course, there's smaller things like starting a business and everything you have to do to start a business, but that wasn't that bad, really. <laughs> With your book,
1: Permanent Happiness, you said was something that was inspired by your father.
0: Yes, but my father's passing. Yeah, he passed in October of 2015. And I just had to take time off work. I just could not keep seeing patients and grieving him because I was surprised because they had basically just left Atlanta. My parents would visit us every single year in Atlanta. And that year, my mom and my dad had just gotten back to Lagos in September. And exactly four weeks after my dad passed away. And funny enough, I had a dream while they were here in Atlanta that my dad passed. It's so funny that that was revealed to me even before he passed. And I called my sister in Nigeria, said, you know what? I just had a dream that Dad passed and she's like, oh, it's fine. It's because they're with you there and you've been taking them to all these doctor appointments. It's fine. He'll be okay." And then he passed when they got home and I was my daddy's baby. I mean, I'm a real daddy's girl, so. He was my hero. He was my mentor. He was my business advisor. He just was like everything to me. So I just froze. I was grieving him and I spent a lot of quiet time at home. And one glorious morning in December of the same year, I was just journaling. I believe I had my book. I was writing and something just said, Yeah, but drop the book and pick up your laptop and type. Literally, I feel like I heard a voice. And that's how I started typing. And I couldn't stop writing after that. I would get content in the shower. I would get content while taking a walk. I always had to have something to write on because I just would get content. And I finished one book and then I got an inspiration to write the second book. So that's how it happened. I really can't explain it further than it was some kind of spiritual download or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's a fabulous story. And so once you started your pediatric practice, I assume you've added other pediatricians to that over time. Yes. And so you've got your practice thriving, and then you've started your other businesses. Can you give us some tips on how you grew your presence, for example, on social media, how you managed your
0: marketing for your personal brand? So growing on social media, basically, again, it's authenticity. I just got to a point where I was comfortable telling my story and everybody gets there at different times. Not that I share everything, but I got to the point where people were asking me questions because when I published my book and I spoke about the United Nations, people were curious. They're like, how did you get into the UN? So I started talking about all that. And then I noticed that young women in like their 20s, 30s were really drawn to me. They would send me DMs and ask me questions. How did you write a book? How did you speak at the UN? So I started answering all these questions. So that just kind of got me into realizing that I had something to offer to younger women because they just would not stop asking me questions on LinkedIn and on Instagram I wasn't that active on Facebook, but I noticed then that people are enjoying my stories. So it gave me more inspiration to keep on posting because I would get all these life changing stories from women about how, oh, you're inspiring me. I really hope to be a doctor one day. I'd like to start a practice like you. I'd like to write a book. So I'm like, oh, I'm changing lives with my story. So that kept me going with, you know, posting and posting more. So basically. The tips for growing your brand online is to try to be authentic, not oversharing. People have to have boundaries, you know, oversharing will turn people off because nobody wants to hear about other people's bedroom secrets, you know, or if you're really going through a really tough time, you probably want to find a therapist rather than posting on social media and asking people help. I'm depressed. Some people do that. And I think that's a turn off. So you have to find the middle, you know, the balance, right? So being authentic, telling people your story. And of course, now we all know doing videos, right? Doing videos, doing reels, doing lives, are key. Again, that is all because of the authentic part, the vulnerability parts, the storytelling part. You can't effectively tell a story if you're not doing a video on social media, right? Well, it's okay to write captions, but people really want to connect with you. They want to hear your voice. They want to almost be speaking to you live. So those are the tips I'll say. Be authentic, be vulnerable. Share your story authentically. Be intentional about what you're posting once you figure out the people that love your content. Mm Because I didn't know I was going to be that attractive to younger women, but they found me and started asking me questions. So I started putting out content that I knew they would love. And I think
1: that's the key actually is that you're putting out content so that people get to know you, but in actuality, you're putting out content that's useful for them. It's not really about you. It's about Mm -hmm. identifying with you, but more about what you have to offer than about you individually.
0: Yes, very true.
1: Great advice. Those are great tips. And so you have a coaching cohort. So you've done this program before, right? This one that you have coming up, a new cohort starting in August.
0: Yeah, so it's the second one. And I just started my coaching business last October. I feel like I've been coaching for the last 15 years because, again, I've taught medical students for 15 years in my practice. I've been mentoring all these women on social media since 2017, since I started you know, being active on social media. So last year, I thought, you know what? this needs to be another income stream. So I started the coaching business and it's doing so well. So I started first with one-on-one coaching. And then I realized, you know what, I'm getting a lot of one-on-one clients. There's no way I can scale this and be one-on-one forever. So I started a coaching bootcamp. So the first one I did was actually a coaching boot camp. And this second one, I decided to just name it the Invincible Entrepreneur. So that's going to be the name moving forward. Yes. So the next cohort starts August 2nd, and I'm only taking 10 people, 10 men and women. Oh, you know what? I do have to add that my intention was only to coach women. <laughs> But then on LinkedIn, like I said, people who love you will find you and then you have to serve them. But on LinkedIn, I've noticed a lot of men in the healthcare field love my content and they've been asking if I can coach them. So then I decided I was going to open up my group coaching to men and women, but still maintain my one on one as only for women.
1: Are you finding with your cohort for the entrepreneurship that there's a significant percentage of physicians in that? Or how does that break down typically?
0: (laughs) No, it's surprising to me that I'm a doctor, but I don't attract that many doctors. I'm not sure why it may be the price point, but let me think since last year, October, I have coached about 68 women either in groups, in master classes, or one-on-one, all of that. But I've coached about 68 women and probably only five or seven of them have been physicians.
1: That's <laughs> actually really interesting too, because I think that the whole culture in medicine of having multiple streams of income is relatively small. I think it's growing. I think people's awareness of that as an option is growing rapidly. And that's one of the things I'm really passionate about letting people know about. And so perhaps you're going to have more physicians in your upcoming cohorts. I I hope. I hope so, because
0: it's another way to beat all this burnout. It really is. Mm -hmm. Because
1: you can find something that you're passionate about that you enjoy and also build financial independence, which I think is critical to having options. And then once you have options, you can make decisions by choice rather than feeling trapped.
0: Interesting enough, I've had many lawyers as my clients, but not doctors. It may just be a coincidence, but I've had a lot of lawyers. In fact, lawyers also seeking dating coaching, because I don't know if I mentioned I do offer dating coaching as well. And I included that because after I got remarried last year, I guess we haven't talked about that, but I did get remarried just before my 50th birthday. And women started messaging me. They're like, I'm 30 and I'm single. I'm 35 and I'm single. Can you help? So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start coaching on dating. And I've had a few single lawyers sign up for my dating coaching, but not doctors.
1: Oh, that is super interesting. So when you coach people with dating, are you coaching them on how to present themselves on dating apps? Are you coaching them on how to present themselves at life in general? What does that involve?
0: All of the above. I basically coach women to become the high quality woman because most women will tell you, I want a high quality man. And then I ask them, do you know that high quality men also want high quality women? That's where we're going to start from. And then I coach them on all of that. I have a lot of YouTube videos on relationships. So many women who cannot afford my coaching, they go to my YouTube and they binge on all my dating coaching. I guess it's just a gift I have. I guess I've been in all life stages. I've been single, I've been married, I've been divorced, and then now I'm remarried. So I've learned a few things here and there. And women just date wrong. They just date wrong, basically. And I believe I have all those skills. How so? Oh, women get too emotionally involved with the wrong man before they even vet the man. I think that women start to get very nervous and anxious and scared of their age as they start to reach the 28th, you know, age year And above, they start to think, you know, my ovaries are drying up or I'm never going to have kids. Nobody's ever going to want me because I'm 30 years old. So when women get to that age, they get a little desperate. You know, and when you're desperate for a man, it just doesn't work. You start to do all the wrong things. You put up with men that you shouldn't put up with. You drop your purpose. You drop the things that you love doing because of a man. And that doesn't benefit you or the high quality man that you're looking for. So we could talk till tomorrow about how women did wrong. But basically, as women are getting older, they become less picky. They become less choosy. They start to settle. And that doesn't work for them. It just doesn't work. Yeah.
1: Well, that brings me to a question that I was going to ask you about your entrepreneurship coaching, and I can ask it about both types of coaching, which is what kind of results have you seen with your clients?
0: Oh, okay. So I'll say I've seen results in two batches, in two sections. There's this group of women who are on fire. They're very ambitious. They implement everything that I teach them and even more, and it's working for them. A lot of them want to become coaches. So they have become coaches. They've launched their coaching businesses. They're starting to get clients. They were scared of doing videos and public speaking before they're doing videos. They're going live. They're even having guests with them on their shows. So there's that group of women here who are doing really well. Then there's the group of women here who are not implementing. And that's the reality of coaching. Coaching only works if the coachee, I know that word doesn't exist, if the coachee actually implements what you teach them. So I have to be honest because I see those women here on social media and they're not implementing. They're still not doing videos. They're still not doing lives. They're still, you know, intimidated by all that and they're not implementing. But coaching works. If you implement, you'll see the results. Absolutely.
1: I'm sure that's true for any kind of coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what are you looking forward to the most about the new cohort
0: that you have coming up? Number one is that there will be men in the group. I'm actually looking forward to coaching because I have mentored male medical students in the past. I'm looking forward to coaching male doctors. A lot of them are younger. They just want to have, you know, more entrepreneurship skills, more public speaking skills. So I'm looking forward to coaching men. Some of them are nurses as well. There are some physiotherapists in other countries The people say physiotherapists, not physical therapists. And I just love my coaching because I'm able to reach people in all corners of the world and help them with what it is they're looking for with entrepreneurship. It's just so rewarding that you could have a client in India over Zoom, a client in Jamaica, a client in Nigeria all with the same goals and you can teach them all together and they can all get the same outcome and even more if they implement. It's just, I love to coach people from different backgrounds because it makes me realize that we're actually all the same. (laughs) Really, we're very, very alike in what we're looking for. So yeah, I'm just excited to keep passing on what I know to other people.
1: Wonderful. What do you anticipate for yourself in the future as your following grows and your next book is published? What other things are you looking forward to?
0: (sighs) You really want to know transitioning from medicine full time. Yeah. So I really just want to be 100% doing my creative work. I really want to transition fully from the practice of clinical medicine and just be teaching. I believe that I'm a teacher and a healer. And I think that my career started in medicine first because, you know, God knew I'm a very spiritual person. God knew that I was going to transition into teaching and healing. So that's what I want to do with my life. I just want to keep teaching, keep healing through speaking, coaching, and writing. Well, I'm sure you're going to
1: touch a lot of lives with doing that. And I really appreciate you coming and talking to me about it And we're going to be working together, collaborating together on some future projects. I'm hopeful that some people will hear about you here on the podcast and in our social media to find out about your programs, because I think you're making a big difference. And uh, it's very exciting to see what you're doing.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm so glad that we found each other on Instagram. That's the beauty of social media. So Absolutely.
1: Hard. I mean, all of the people that you meet in doing something like this really make it worthwhile, just in and of itself. So it's terrific to know you, and I look forward to talking with you many times in the future.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate this. It was fun speaking with you. <laughs> Thank you. If
1: you've been listening and you'd like to learn more about Dr. Iyabo and her coaching programs, please click the links in the show notes from today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today on Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast.
2: Thanks, all of you, for tuning in to listen to this edition of Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast. We have something new and exciting to tell you about, so I want you to hop over to docworking.com. Doc Working Thrive is getting ready to launch in a very short time, and what that is is a subscription service for physicians. It includes an excellent self paced course called STAT that is all about quick wins for living well. It is group coaching. It is a Facebook group where you have a chance to connect to other positions and coaches to ask questions about things that are happening in your life. And it also includes weekly video tips to come and give you advice on important things in your life. So we're really excited about this. The price is almost too good to be true. It's so good. And I really think it's going to be a fabulous support network for physicians. So we hope you hop on over, check out Doc Working Thrive today. And until next time, we'll see you on Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. Hello, and thank you for
0: listening. This is Amanda Taran. I'm the producer of the Doc Working podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe. We would also love it if you checked out our website, which is docworking.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. On Instagram, we are docworking1, and that is with the number 1. When you check us out on social, please let us know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Your feedback really means a lot to us. And if you're a physician with a story you'd like to tell, please reach out to me at amanda at docworking.com to apply to be on the podcast. Thank you again, and we look forward to talking with you on the next episode of Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast.